Plain Spoken, Episode 9. Welcome back to Plain Spoken, the podcast where we talk about how to live more quietly and with a greater emphasis on what truly matters. My name is Dean Abbott, and I'm the host of this show. If you'd like to connect further with me, the best way to do that is by following me on Twitter, which you can do at www.twitter.com backslash Dean Abbott. You can also email me directly at dean at deanabbott.com. I should take a moment to tell you that it's time to do another listener Q&A episode. If you're interested in asking me a question, having it appear on the show, the best way to get that question to me is to go to the Anchor FM page for this podcast. That's Anchor FM, anchor.fm, backslash plain spoken. And click on the little button there that says send a voice message. For the Q&A episodes, I prefer to have a recorded voice message that I can actually just stick in and play as part of the show. So if you're interested in doing that, that's the way to do it. I'd also appreciate it if you'd consider supporting me via Patreon. You can pledge your support for as little as a dollar a month and get rewards, including early access to this podcast. Just go to patreon.com and search for Dean Abbott. The last several weeks that I've been recording this show, I've reported to you that I've been doing it from our garage. For a number of reasons, I have not been able to get to the place where I had recorded the first several episodes, which is a small, quiet room in a local public library. But because we've had car trouble and some other things, it just didn't work out that I was able to do that at the time that I needed to do it in order to get this episode, uh, the episodes up at the time that you expect them. So all that to say is that once again, our car, one of our cars is on the fritz. It's took it to the garage yesterday. They said, we'll take a look at it. We'll take care of it. They said they'd call me. It was done. They called me middle of the afternoon and said, we don't have the part. It won't be here until tomorrow. It's now almost two o'clock in the afternoon. I've called them twice. They say we're working on it, but still no luck. So the upshot of that is that I'm once again in the garage. So you might hear background noise this time. You might hear the cars driving by. You might hear the wind blowing and rattling the garage door. The other thing you should know is that as I'm out here trying to create this episode to deliver to you, it is 25 degrees in here. Uh, I thought about maybe bringing the heater out here, but the fan would have blown the whole time and would have created a background noise. So I'm just going to sit out here and be cold for your benefit uh, until I'm done talking about this. And If the episode's a little short today, that's because I was uncomfortable while I was doing it. So about a week and a half ago, as I was wrapping things up at the end of the day at my day job, I felt that old familiar feeling. I've had it many times in my life. That 
an itching in your my eyes, a empty feeling in my muscles, a stinging up behind my nose, kind of uh, something weird in my throat. And it was that feeling I get whenever I, I'm starting to get a cold. And colds for me are no little thing. I, I I'm amazed by people who get light colds, who get a cold... And somehow just keep on acting like it's normal, like life is normal. Because colds for me have never been that way. They are debilitating uh, because, I don't know why, but my head head hurts so badly, my congestion is so bad, I, I basically have to stop functioning. Well, those feelings I had that evening as I was leaving work weren't wrong. And the next morning, I woke up feeling even worse but I still went to work. And a couple of hours into my shift, it was clear that I was not functioning at my highest level. And eventually my coworkers insisted that I go home, partly out of concern for me and partly out of concern for themselves, I think, because at that point I could have been contagious. And I yielded. I came home and the rest of the weekend I spent in bed. First thing Monday morning, I, uh, as soon as I could get in, I went to my doctor. And she said, well, I think you have a virus. And she didn't want to give me the antibiotic and have me start it until I had been sick for longer, you know, maybe like a week, six days. And I'll tell you what the issue is. The issue is that when I get a cold, I never just get a cold. Invariably... I get some kind of sinus infection that, or bronchitis that lingers and lingers and lingers. And so I have, at this point, after many years of this kind of experience, I have realized that what makes the most sense for me is to go to the doctor immediately, knowing that any time I invest in being sick, trying to get well on my own is really going to be wasted because it takes much, much longer and I to get well on my own than maybe it does for most people. And so I basically go to the doctor as soon as possible. She did send me home, however, with a couple of super powerful, not antibiotics, but super powerful decongestants. And I came home and swallowed those and went back to bed. Eventually, those really worked, and I started to feel better and better. And that was 10 days ago, 12 days ago. And just now, I'm really starting to feel more normal. Still struggling a little bit, but mostly normal. So the point of my telling you all this sort of -of run-of-the-mill story is not merely to tell you that I was ill, although it does explain why I skipped a week last week and didn't do this show. But I wanted to tell you that my illness was an occasion for me to reflect on some lessons uh, that I think are universal and worth sharing. And so I wanted to take just a few minutes and talk about some things I learned from being ill. So I have four things that came to mind as lessons from 
being ill and observing that process. One is just, no matter how mindful you are of your health, there are going to be times when something comes along to slow you down, and there's nothing you can do. There's no point in worrying about it because you can't avoid it. And this is true for all sorts of difficulties in life. This week, I listened to the audiobook of Anne Lamott's book on mercy uh, called Hallelujah Anyway. And in it, she talked about what are called the five remembrances of Buddhism. I had never heard these before, but as I was thinking about being ill, they really hit home. And they are these. One, I am subject to age. There is no way to escape growing old. Number two, I am subject to sickness. There is no way to escape ill health. Number three, I am subject to death. There is no way to escape death. Number four, all that is dear to me and everyone I love are of the nature to change. There is no way to escape being separated from them. And finally, number five, my actions are my only true belongings. I cannot escape the consequences of my actions. My actions are the ground upon which I stand. Now, regardless of what you believe about Buddhism or or not, these, I think, are pretty universal truths that most people try to forget. That's why they're called the five remembrances. And the idea here that I want to focus on is that we can't avoid illness. And that idea really cuts against the grain of our cultural beliefs. The subtext of so much of our culture, especially in American culture, is that if you work hard enough, you can make sure that you never spend a day with so much as a case of the sniffles. It's part of our optimistic individualism to believe that hard work, in this case, expressed as commitment to exercise and eating right and self-discipline, if you the idea is that if you do all of those things well enough and you hard enough and long enough, you'll be able to avoid the negative consequences of ill health. The, the hard part of that and of critiquing that is that there's an obvious grain of truth to it. It is true that people who eat right and exercise are, on the whole, healthier than people who don't. But the claim often goes beyond just simply telling us that, that if we eat right and exercise, our immune systems will be more resistant to disease. The subtextual idea in our culture goes beyond that. So that we often pick up the idea that we should have an expectation that disease is entirely avoidable. Of course, this is about more than health. Especially, as I said, in our culture, we can easily get the idea that it's not just illness that's avoidable, but all kinds of negative outcomes and circumstances. Pay attention next time, or just next time, when, as you're absorbing the culture, and you'll see what I'm talking about. There is a constant refrain, subtle though it is, that 
promises us that hard work, self-discipline, etc., will lead to a kind of problem-free life. I suppose even more deeply than that, there is a promise that a problem-free life is possible. And if you really believe that, especially in this context as I'm applying it to health, it leads to a couple of really bad, fallacious ideas. One is that when bad things happen, when bad things befall us, it's easy to have a sense of outrage. Like, well, this shouldn't be happening to me. Somehow the rules have been broken. I, I ate salad three days in a row, and now I'm sick. Somebody made me a promise, and, they, they, and somebody fell short. And so when we experience some kind of negative situation, if we really have imbibed this idea that self-discipline, hard work, caution can prevent problems from coming up, not just prevent problems in general, but can create a problem-free life, our response to problems that do come up is naturally going to be a kind of resentment. A resentment that's so deep and so subtle that we probably aren't even aware of it most of the time. But it's there. And the longer, of course, that we harbor that, the more negative effects we experience from it. And so there is a paradoxical effect here, right? That we believe that hard work, self-discipline, caution can prevent all problems from coming up and prevent and, and create create a problem-free life for us. Then we find out, of course, that that promise is false and we become resentful. And yet we don't actually question the premise most of the time. We don't think, well, maybe it's false. Maybe, maybe you can't create problem-free lives. And so the next thing happens, and we just grow that much more resentful. And the long-term effect of all of this resentment, of course, is that it damages us in many ways, not the least of which is that it can harm our physical health. And so by believing that illness is avoidable, we manifest resentment, which of course then leads to further illness. And so we get into a kind of vicious cycle, all because we won't question that underlying premise that's been fed to us. The second really bad idea that comes from this assumption is that when we hear of someone else who has suffered illness or some other kind of difficulty in life, it's easy for us to imagine that they brought this on themselves. And of course, people bring negative consequences, bad effects on themselves. It, it, that's obvious. But it, 
But the fact that that happens often doesn't mean that it's always the case. And that's what we tend to be told. The flip side of believing that self-discipline, caution, hard work can create a problem-free life is believing that when we see others who have problems, we can just simply assume they haven't worked hard enough. They haven't been cautious enough. They haven't been self-disciplined enough. When in reality, that's just the way of the world. Even people who are as cautious and self-disciplined and who work as hard as they can still face tragedy. And I think it's easier for us to put ourselves in a position where we imagine that the causes of tragedy are always within our control and that there's always something that we could have done or we could do now to prevent tragedy in the future. And it's just difficult, I think, for people to really accept that that's not always true. And that tragedy befalls people, even people who don't deserve it. All of that to say, there is no way to avoid being sick. So given that there's no way to avoid being sick, I have a few other thoughts. One, you should prepare for illness. Since you can't avoid illness and other or other experiences that tend to derail us, whatever those are, even if it's an emotional setback, a financial setback, we should be planning on those rather than give in to this general, generally prevalent idea that we can avoid tragedy, we can avoid illness, we can avoid trouble through caution, hard work, self-discipline. And then being surprised when it comes, we should actually accept the reality of those things before they come and plan for them. We ought to give some thought to how we're going to cope with them, given that they are certain. It's helpful to plan for some mechanism, some way that we're going to keep our attitudes as positive as possible when suffering of some sort comes. We need to factor time into our schedule that allows flexibility for us to whether to do something other than our normal productive routines. Whether that means that we have to take time out to attend to some kind of crisis, or whether it means we just have to lie in bed for a few days. If our lives are built so tightly that even, that any crisis throws them off, throws them into chaos, then the unavoidable crises, whatever it is, whether it's even if it's just getting a, a bad cold, what happens then is that our crisis multiplies itself and we become overwhelmed by the cascading negative effects of our having to rest, basically, or attend to some other, uh, some other means of solving the problem. 
Number three, you can't hurry health. When I'm sick, I want to hurry everything along. I, I just want to move. I want this to be over. So the whole time I'm in bed, I'm thinking about what I could be doing, what I ought to be doing. How, when am I going to be able to get back to doing what I need to do? In short, I find myself, like I said, trying to hurry my sickness. And of course, that can't be done. Because healing is an organic process to which I am subject rather than one over which I am sovereign. And so healing is a reminder of my creatureliness rather than my masterliness. Okay, And this manifests in a couple of ways. First, one is that as soon as I am even slightly better, I get up and I want to move around and start resuming my regular slate of activities, which, of course, just puts me back down and makes me feel bad again and might even extend my sickness. And I don't think I'm alone in this. I think this is very normal. I think a lot of people feel this way. The the urge, we experience the urge to hurry this organic process, and it's indicative of our addiction to activity and urgency we feel and the insecurity we feel whenever we find ourselves in a position where we're not producing, producing, producing. And so this goes back, I think, to my second point, which is that you should prepare for illness. And one of the ways that you could prepare for illness or other crises is to simplify your life to the point where it operates either in an automated way without your constant attention or where there just isn't that much going on. There's not, there aren't that many deadlines in your life that won't, there aren't so many deadlines in your life that you can't take time out to allow yourself to heal. And finally, number four is you must surrender. Illness reminds us of the necessity of surrender, of giving up our agendas and desires in order to accept a larger process, like healing. The thing about recovering from even a mild sickness, like a bad cold, is that it makes clear that we are part of a system and that that system is oriented toward our benefit, but that we can't control it. We can't hurry it. We can't tell it what to do. All we can do is let go and let it carry us to some better place. And of course, this principle applies to all sorts of things in life, not just physical healing, but to many, many other kinds of situations, perhaps especially to relationships. I think you have to assume that relationships want to be balanced. They want to be, in some way, healthy. 
and if you're relating to a person who is at all together, that your attempts then in that relationship to control it are likely to lead it to a place of unhealth in a way that if you would simply surrender, the relationship process itself would take you to a healthier place. And the same goes with your body when you're ill. So it should be obvious that I'm not just talking about getting over a cold. I'm talking about part of the very nature of being human with these four kind of thoughts that I brought you back from my journey of sickness. Right? Those are, one, you cannot avoid illness. Number two, therefore you should prepare for illness. Number three, you can't hurry health. And four, all you can do is surrender to that larger healing process. We all tend to try to control and direct the process of life far more than we should, maybe. We tend to applaud people whose skills at doing that are exceptional. And while those skills might bring about some benefits in in some situations, there's a sense where in certain situations, only accepting your nature as a subject Someone subject to illness, someone subject to death, someone subject to consequences, and surrendering to that reality. Only those things will lead you to a quieter life. Thanks again for listening. I will ask you to go to either iTunes or wherever you listen to this program And if you enjoy it, please leave me a review and a rating there. That helps other people to hear about what I'm doing and helps get the message out. So if you would do that, I would appreciate it. So thanks again, and I'll be with you next time on Plain Spoken. Until then, I hope this helps.